And we pray that on this Easter day, the words that I speak and the thoughts of all our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our King and our Redeemer. Amen. So the first witnesses, this is our theme from John chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. And uh, when Janice and I lived in Eastern Europe and met uh, quite a lot of people from the uh, countries where the Orthodox Church was the main church, and this is uh, one of the icons of the church, uh, one of the stories from Easter that we heard was uh, a story from Russia of uh, an Easter day in Russia during the communist times, during the times when the atheists uh, were trying to suppress uh, all the, the Christian witness. And on this particular uh, Easter day in this particular community, the communist leader called all the people together and said, uh, we want to make sure that you know the true atheistic message today and uh, we want to make sure uh, that you understand that uh, this old way of doing things, this Christian way is really rubbish. And so he gave a long speech uh, to this community of people uh, along these lines. And the priest of the Russian Orthodox Church was also there and at the end of this long uh, atheistic sermon uh, the priest said, could I just possibly say two or three words to the people? And uh, the communist official said, as long as it's only two or three words, yeah, you can say these words and then we'll, uh, we'll go home. So the priest stood up and said, he is risen. And the whole of this audience responded, he is risen indeed. Alleluia. Those words were all that needed to be said. Christ is risen. And so, whatever kind of situation we're in around us, where perhaps a lot of people don't believe and would like to suppress our beliefs, let us this morning be like that Russian Orthodox priest. We can say and we can respond as the people did. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. As we read the stories in uh, the New Testament accounts of the resurrection of Jesus, uh, we find many different aspects. As has already been mentioned, uh, we find this in one of the Gospels in Luke's account, the two on the road to Emmaus, uh, so memorably pictured uh, by Caravaggio. But when we look at John's account, uh, we have something that has many deep elements, as we would expect in uh, John's writings. This is so much part of the way he writes. And as we go through the story that uh, Lee has read to us, at the start of the story, it's not, he is risen, but it's confusion. And that's also real, isn't it? As... We heard from Liz, there are times when it doesn't all make complete sense. And in John's account, 
Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, and it's dark. And in John's writings, darkness is a profound theme. When Jesus was betrayed by Judas, Judas went out from the table, and it was dark. When Jesus was arrested, it was night. At the crucifixion of Jesus, darkness covered the earth. And even now, when we come to what should be the great story of light, there's also some darkness. It was still dark on the first day of the week. But what Mary finds is the stone door where Jesus has been buried has been removed. The tomb is empty. And again, it's not that she immediately says, Wow! He's risen! No, she's, she's aghast. And in Matthew's Gospel, uh, there are others who are there. And in Mark and Luke, uh, the other Mary, the women in Luke. But it isn't, again, a story in which everything just comes together right away. And perhaps on this uh, Easter Sunday, we also need to hear that word of the gospel to where we are. Not to think that everything is just magically put right in every situation of life. It's also significant to me uh, that across the variety of the gospel writers, it is the women who are there first. And this says something to me about how authentic these gospel writers are. If you wanted in the first century to make up a story that was going to convince people, you wouldn't make up a story that it was the women who were the first witnesses. But in all the variety of the gospel records, that is what we find. Some people feel that they need to spend a lot of time harmonizing these different gospel records as if somehow some of the differences were a problem. To me, they're not a problem. The differences just show that the writers were absolutely honest in recording the things as they saw them. They're talking about real events. They're talking about events that changed the lives, ultimately, of all of these witnesses, starting with the women. Not that they were expecting, not that it was wish fulfillment. Obviously, they weren't. Immediately, they think of some other explanation for why the tomb is empty. They had seen Jesus arrested, stripped, and beaten. He was dead. There was no question about it. This wasn't some kind of wish fulfillment. But Mary Magdalene, and again, would you choose Mary Magdalene from other things that uh, are said about her as your number one witness? But it was Mary who was the first of the witnesses and who went to two of the key disciples, Simon Peter and John, the disciple that Jesus loved. 
And she shares with them what she's seen. Again, it isn't an immediate affirmation of faith, is it? What she says is, they have taken the Lord. Who's they? Perhaps the Romans. Perhaps the Jewish leaders. They. Somehow we're not in control. They have done it. But it's enough to bring the men. And the men come. They come running in response to the word of this first witness, Mary Magdalene. And John seems to do rather well. Uh, Perhaps he was in better shape physically. He outran Peter. I rather like the fact that we we think of John as a very kind of humble, self-effacing kind of character. But here he is writing the story and he says, By the way, I got there first. I ran faster than Peter. Just want you to know that. Uh, But as they come, Peter, of course, is first in to see what is there inside the tomb. But it's John who goes in and believes. Why does he believe? Perhaps something about the way the linen wrappings were, that they were there. It wasn't that there had been a struggle to take off these linen wrappings. It was Jesus who had gone through the linen wrappings. And Mary, again, comes to the center of the story. Because Mary remains. The men come and the men go, but Mary remains. And then she has the two angels who appear to her. An overwhelming sight. And these words, why are you weeping? Speaks right into her situation, doesn't turn away from her emotion, as David and Liz were saying. What are we really feeling today? And out of this comes real faith. A faith that is not packaged neatly, but a faith that grows by experience. I think it's so great uh, that on Easter Sunday we do hear testimonies. It's something we've done in, in years gone by and again today, to hear about times when hopes are dashed, when God seems absent, but to hear also how Jesus appears. And Mary meets Jesus. First of all, she doesn't recognize him. Is it the gardener? In some of the pictures, uh, you see the halo uh, in this, at this point. Uh, I don't know that the gardeners really had halos, but um, she doesn't recognize him. Perhaps her tears, perhaps the morning sun, or perhaps that Jesus' body was new. Because what I see in this is Jesus as the prototype of the new creation. It's not a corpse that has been resurrected. It is a new body that Jesus has, as all who are raised with Jesus will have new bodies. And so Jesus appears and speaks her name, as we said in the song, as Liz mentioned. And let us today hear in our experiences, wherever they are and whatever our struggles are, let's hear 
the word of affirmation that Jesus is with us, that he loves us, that he speaks our name. And the reply of Mary is Rabboni. Now that's a slightly different word to Rabbi. It's the same root, but it's a more intimate word. So Mary now realizes who she's speaking to. Jesus, Savior, Lord, and Friend. And then there's the strange, do not hold on to me from Jesus. In some verses, do not, some versions, do not touch me. And I suspect that what this is about is that Mary was saying, don't ever leave us again. And it's as if she wants to hold on to Jesus forever. But Jesus must go. Jesus is going to ascend to his Father. Jesus cannot be constrained. So we can't hold on to him. Because he is ahead. And we can't hold on to him either. Because he promised that his spirit would come. That he would go. And his spirit would come. And so today... Jesus is with us, but he's here by his Spirit. And so he is here in amazing power and in unexpected ways. And finally, there is the sharing of Mary with the disciples once more, with all the disciples. And this is an ancient depiction in which Mary is sharing with a group of Disciples who are not very impressed, I don't think, at the point where she's sharing with them by the look of them. Uh, but this is a wonderful picture <coughs> of Mary as the example of the first witness to these other disciples who themselves were going to become witnesses. And so my question as we finish this reflection today to all of us is, have we seen Jesus? This Easter day is an opportunity to find him or to be found by him. Or an opportunity to take another step in our Christian experience. What might Jesus be saying to us as he speaks our name this morning? What might he be saying to us about what he wants us to do through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this time in the life of our church in Camborne, as we think about new things, Easter is about the new life that comes through Jesus and through the Spirit. How might we contribute to the new things that God is wanting to do in these coming months and years? And so here we have on Easter Day, Mary, the ex example of witness, and the way in which the disciples eventually all together became witnesses. Let us also be these witnesses who share and pass on this wonderful message.
of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.